0: Well, folks, 6.07 in the Twin Cities, 47 degrees. Esme Murphy with you on a Saturday night, along with our studio coordinator, Jonathan Lowe, uh, Sloan in the newsroom, a special guest in studio, somebody who is interested in broadcasting, a junior in high school, Alex McFarland. So, Alex, thank you for coming in. Um, You can can say hi if you want.
1: Hi. Hi. Oh, (laughs) There you go.
0: Okay, And so, you know, when people say they want to go into broadcasting these days, I always say, um, well, you know, what do you expect? (laughs) And I I didn't realize that it was the prom tonight. So Alex is actually here for the first hour of his prom. So I said, you may actually really want to do this because the thing I think a lot of people don't realize is that even people, somebody like Sloan, who's been in the business for a long time, myself has been in the business for a long time. Jonathan's been in the business a long time. Just about everybody works really crazy,
2: crazy hours,
0: crazy yeah. hours, crazy, or hours under under crazy situations. and actually, um the second half hour we uh, of this hour we are actually going to be visiting with uh, Professor Jane Kirtley who runs the Scylla Center, which is sort of the journalism Center for students at the University of Minnesota. So maybe uh-huh. I'll ask her if you if you have any questions you you may want to ask her. I want I had actually brought her on to talk about uh, <clears throat> the right press and the alternative press. Uh, and the narrative that they're presenting in terms of the the alleged Trump collusion or the investigation. And it's interesting because that narrative has actually changed. <laughs> because when, when that story came out in the New York Times, it was about midweek. And a lot of Republicans were actually being really critical. Uh, and, and you know, Fox News was kind of had a completely different narrative uh, on the, this Trump-Russia probe and all the allegations swirling around it. That – tone has changed considerably i was actually watching fox news so it'll be interesting to talk to her about that but welcome alex yeah okay thank you it's great to be here
2: all right um can can i I say something to young young messer alex here um i number one thank you for coming in Yeah. thank you for your dedication to learn the craft yeah and and you want to get into it you got to uh, get these opportunities to come in and see how everything sort of works behind the right. scenes
0: how the sausage is made <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i'm
2: impressed well, this
0: is this is incredible well well you might maybe we need to bring you you know maybe we need to bring you in and watch uh you know maybe dave lee at work or whatever oh, I mean, that, he's really that, impressive now i that, mean that's you want to
2: you wanna talk about the master uh, when it comes to radio, yeah. He's uh, or or crazy or environment. or
0: yeah. a John Hines, yes. or you know we have really some some amazing people here. Um, but anyway, thank you very much. I don't know if we're quite incredible, but <laughs> we'll no, take yeah.
2: it. <laughs> I'm I'm blown away. So this okay. is great. Yeah. I I do want to say one thing. I hope you got a, your date a really nice corsage. I know, a really, <laughs> really nice. It is prom night, man. I I, I think I, I, okay. Think okay, I good. Good. Nice right. hooked her okay. up. Okay, good. Brother hooked up. Okay, that's all we needed to know. All right, you got a good, got a good, good no. uh, corsage. Um, that's great.
0: But anyway, we have a really great show lined up for you. Uh, as I said, the second half hour, we are going to visit uh, with Professor Jane Kirtley. and it, this is a remarkable time when it comes to media and the coverage nationally. Um, you know, there are people uh, who remember Watergate. I'm one of them. I'm old enough, and I, many of our listeners obviously do. And that was uh, an event uh, that unfolded really in the press. And to a certain extent, I think some of that's happening now. Now, we don't know the end game, we don't know where that's coming, but it's interesting to see the different portrayals in the press of the very same apparent set of facts or alleged facts um we're going to take a quick break when we come back we are going to visit with an expert at the Minneapolis Heart Institute about a very disturbing story uh, involving the death of a 16 year old boy in South Carolina after he overdosed on caffeinated drinks this is this is very serious he had drank uh, a number of caffeine laden uh, soft drinks an energy drink and coffee and he actually died. Uh, so we're going to visit with uh, Dr. Jason Gupta. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly uh, in just a little bit. So let's take a quick break. You are listening to News Radio 830 WCCO. It is 613 in the Twin Cities on a pretty, pretty drizzly night. I feel like we're all going to just float away here. Um, and I just want to let you know that we're going to – we've been following a story, a very sad story out of South Carolina but one that actually is something that does happen. A 16-year-old boy died from an overdose of caffeine. Uh, He had been drinking large amounts of Mountain Dew, a cafe latte, and some sort of energy drink. And, you know, I think a lot as a parent, you kind of worry about maybe the alcohol or or drugs. You don't really think about caffeine and what that can do to you. And, And joining me right now is Dr. Jay Sengupta, with the Minneapolis Heart Institute at Abbott Northwestern. Doctor, thank you so much for coming on.
2: Oh, hi, Esme. It's good to be with you this evening. All right.
0: Let me ask you, how how often does this kind of thing happen?
2: Well, um, unfortunately, these are not very common events, or at least we don't hear much about uh, uh, this uh, caffeine overdose causing a, uh, a death. But clearly, there are um, reports and uh, events in the past where Um, particularly associated with energy drinks, Um, there have been lawsuits against, for example, Monster Energy Drink Company. And and this in this particular uh, event, we know that this individual uh, took an energy drink in addition to caffeine in other forms. And um, caffeine itself is a stimulant drug. and In large quantities, it has effects on the cardiovascular system. It can be hazardous. But in addition, you have an energy drink that may have other caffeine-like containing compounds and potentially other harmful compounds. It may exacerbate Uh, the risk of of caffeine ingestion. And you have a young individual who takes a large quantity in a short period of time, and it could potentially uh, result in a dangerous uh, or abnormal heart rhythm um, or or other cardiovascular effects that could be uh, uh, hazardous uh, to one's health.
0: All right. Now, I'm sitting here looking at my Diet Coke here, and i got to squint because I'm old, but 48 milligrams caffeine in 12.8 fluid ounces. I don't think there's not that kind of labeling on some of these energy drinks, Right.
2: No, there isn't. And um, And why there,
0: not? Uh-oh. Because I you know, yeah. I I did a story on that a few a couple of years ago where where some girls got very sick at a I'm not going to name the business because they they're still around. They did change their policy, but they were selling kids additional caffeine shots that they could put in their drinks, like put in their Diet Coke. Well, and they yeah. bo- and they got sick. They were both hospitalized. Oh, uh, absolutely. You know, yeah. why why aren't there regulations or why aren't there requirements that these Beverages yes. that are obviously marketed to kids have some kind of, you know, coating on them or, or some kind of you know disclosure about how much caffeine is in there.
2: Well, it's a great question, and I think as more of these uh, events and uh, unfortunately tragic events like this bring this to this uh, to the spotlight, uh, there may be a movement toward doing that. Uh, um, caffeine itself has been thought to be a relatively safe compound in in, in moderation. Uh, and we find it naturally, and we find it in most of our beverages. It's very hard to avoid caffeine, um, but clearly there are certain forms of caffeine, and in certain individuals, younger individuals particularly, and when in the form of these particular energy drinks, they may be even more hazardous in large quantities in short periods of time. And so, clearly, there is a there, and, and particularly with these energy drinks, there's a movement from the American Heart Association where we we are trying to raise awareness and. Uh, a, Teaching people, creating awareness to try to avoid energy drinks or concentrated forms of caffeine, because uh, it, it's not just caffeine, but it's caffeine-like substances in these drinks that basically augment the effects and and can be dangerous in large quantities. Well, well let, let me ask you. I mean, is it
0: are some people more susceptible?
2: Yeah, you know I mean, some
0: kids or, or even adults.
2: That's a great question, and and yes, and the answer in, in young individuals, uh, caffeine definitely can have more effects or more, uh, uh, than, than you would in, in adults. So definitely the amounts that we consume as adults, we wouldn't recommend uh, for children. And, and in adolescents, we try to avoid uh, a large amounts of caffeine. And, and uh, also the underlying health condition of a particular individual may have a, play a dramatic role. Um, there may be underlying genetic or cardiac conditions. Um, from birth that could predispose an individual to having an abnormal heart rhythm. And in, in the right environment or the perfect storm with caffeine uh, ingestion, with uh, stimulant uh, intake, with activity, heavy activity, working out uh, heavily after uh, uh, basically gulping a large energy drink or large amount of caffeine can have uh, untoward consequences in those particular individuals.
0: Right. And we don't know if this 16-year-old boy had any kind of underlying condition, at least according to the reports that I've read, but, um, you know, and obviously the parents, I mean, this is a, a tragedy, and, and the parents are, are anguished because I don't think it's something that they ever thought of. I mean, I think most, most parents are more worried about, you know, the teenagers consuming alcohol or something like that. I mean, that's what they're watching out for, but how does it exactly work? I mean, what does caffeine do to your heart? Because he, he suffered, I guess, arrhythmia, and that led to a cardiac arrest.
2: Yes, absolutely. Caffeine is a stimulant, and so it can increase one's blood pressure acutely. It increases one's heart rate. It uh, causes restlessness, nervousness. Um, uh, it uh, and. When taken in large quantities, and oftentimes these beverages are advertised as energy drinks that that are uh, prior to someone um, doing heavy exertional activity, whether it's a uh, heavy workout or um, doing other activities. And so in that particular scenario, you have a a significant rush in adrenaline and and the caffeine-like effects in your body, and that potentially can lead to uh, premature beats, fast rhythms, uh, either from the top chamber, we call it atrial arrhythmias, or from the bottom chamber, ventricular tachycardia, ventricular fibrillation. And those are potentially lethal fast heart rhythms. All right.
0: Now, and my kids don't drink coffee, you know, and I think if they wanted to start, I, I guess that would be fine with me. I mean, I know certainly, uh, you know, Starbucks and and all of you know, the caribou, there's certainly popular places for kids to hang out. What is, are, are there certain amounts that kids should be watching for? I mean, what, what is sort of like, is there like a benchmark? Don't drink more than four cups of coffee if you're a teenager? Yeah. Or how, how, what should parents well, do? Definitely kids do. In
2: moder- moderation is, is ideal. And if you're looking at an adult, it's it's kind of 400 milligrams is considered by the FDA and some Canadian organizations as a, a large amount and no more to exceed that. That's actually quite a bit of caffeine. Surprisingly, though, you could get that much caffeine in a particular venti type of venti blonde roast at, at Starbucks. So it it's you can it depends on what type of coffee you ingest. And if you're looking at teenagers or adolescents, you you'd, you'd uh, cut that percentage. I mean, you'd, you'd want it, uh, not even 25 percent of that. So even less than 100 milligrams a day would be ideal and preferred. And more than that could be dangerous. So it 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 goes to uh, also it, it, we should be aware that we should, um, we should all inquire about how much caffeine is in the beverages that we drink, and um, and uh, that may be hard. And, to
0: well, some, some of them are clearly product. labeled, like my yes. little can of Diet Coke here. I mean, yes. it's not easy yeah. to find, but it's there. It's there, yeah. Right, yeah. and is there any push? Because when I did this story on these two girls getting very, very sick, and they turned out to be okay, um, there was a push to get labeling of these energy right. drinks, which are you know they're not marketing these energy drinks to. People like me, I mean, they're, they're being marketed to kids.
2: Absolutely. And there is a push. Uh, there are class action lawsuits and uh, legal uh, aspects involved. Um, uh, legal uh, uh, attorneys that, that want to have uh, labeling and uh, Monster Energy Drink Company has been under under the gun for that. Um, I do want to point out that it's, it, the energy drinks, um, there actually is recent research that caffeine is, uh, By itself, it may be hazardous in large quantities, but the energy drinks in particular um, may have uh, other consequences because uh, in addition to caffeine, there are other substances in those drinks that have caffeine, but there are other substances that we don't necessarily know what they, how they affect the cardiovascular system. And in that particular combination, these energy, uh, proprietary energy compounds that are in these energy drinks, it, they may have other hazardous effects. And so there was a, actually a recent article published in the Journal of the American Heart Association where they compared uh, energy drink type compound uh, with caffeine to the same amount of caffeine alone. And the compound in the energy drink Actually, had more electrical, adverse electrical consequences uh, on, a partic- on an individual's EKG, as well as more uh, different blood pressure effects, more so than caffeine alone. So, there in particular uh, is where the potential labeling and awareness needs to be uh, more uh, vigilant in terms of avoiding those people from taking those energy drinks without knowing the consequences.
0: My guest is Dr. Jay Sengupta. He's with the Minneapolis Heart Institute at Abbott Northwestern, and we're talking about the tragic death of a 16-year-old South Carolina boy who died from a caffeine overdose. Uh, He had a heart attack after drinking uh, soft drinks, Mountain Dew, coffee, and an energy drink uh, really right on on top of each other. Um, Are some types of caffeinated beverages better than others?
2: Yeah, so the caffeine in its form uh, can make a difference. so uh, there are there's conflicting evidence when you look at coffee because uh, there is some uh, evidence that maybe a moderate amount of coffee can actually be uh, reasonably good for health and prevent heart attacks. But uh, again, there's, uh, there's so, I'm questions. sorry,
0: run that by um, me again. There's yeah, some, just... so,
2: so there's <laughs> evidence either way. So there's some evidence that uh, coffee in a large amount amounts can cause. Heart disease, or, or lead to uh, like we spoke about arrhythmias, or even heart attacks, or even in very small quantities. But then there's also evidence that in moderate amounts, maybe two to three cups a day for a year, there's uh, there's evidence that it might actually prevent heart disease. So, so the problem is- really,
0: I, I had never heard. I mean, that's kind of like the 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 alcohol thing because you you hear yes. you know reports that that moderate drinking, even of spirits or wine, can be beneficial. But then other people beneficial. say it's not, or whatever.
2: So, but what? I, but it, it alludes to your question because what it may not be caffeine itself, but it may be other substances in the in the coffee or, or in the beverage that you're containing or you're drinking, and it also may be the way that these studies were carried out. So there's a lot of confounding variables. So it's very hard to say one way or another that any of that that the, the and and clearly that's not endorsed by the journal, the American Heart Association, or anything. So at this point, you just have to be very cautious about. Caffeine and, and avoid uh, in large quantities. Basically, moderation is the way to go. Well, um, yeah,
0: but l- well, let me ask you about this. Like, you know, because back in the day, yeah. when I was a kid, one of the things that people took to stay up and study was a product yeah. called No I don't know if that's around anymore. It's still around, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and it's a pill. And, right. you know, it, it did make you, it certainly worked, you didn't sleep, but it also made you kind of jittery and the heart was racing and, Absolutely. Uh, And you know, it certainly was effective in keeping you up. But I, I remember feeling uncomfortable with the way it was making me feel. I Absolutely. was up though, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but when do you know, I mean, just having your heart race or feeling jittery is, is I mean, is that... When do you know well, that it's more serious, or when should a kid know, or is it a different response?
2: Oh, that, that's a great question, and and the answer is if you're really feeling palpitations that are that are ongoing, meaning that you, you feel like your heart's racing, if you feel uh, busy, dizzy, lightheaded, if you're uh, blacking out, or potentially nearing the point where you're blacking out, uh, that could be potentially hazardous. Uh, you'd want to get. Uh, uh, immediate medical attention, um, and it, clearly that the, that type of drug. I mean, if, if you were to increase, increase your caffeine consumption, and that that particular type of agent uh, had uh, has a lot of caffeine, that clearly you, you might feel uh, extra flip flopping of your heartbeat uh, because. It, well,
0: it, yeah, it, it, I I remember that be, distinctly, and and I, yeah. and I was not somebody who was drinking. This is in college, I think maybe even in late high school, and I was not a coffee drinker, so this was, I was coming in cold. I mean, do, do you build up sure. a resistance?
2: Oh, and that's a, that's a good point, too, because uh, clearly if you are taking this only uh, uh, for the first time or you're taking it only once in a while, you'll definitely potentially have more effects uh, from the caffeine, and you'll feel them more than you would if you're a regular coffee drinker or a regular caffeine uh, user.
0: Okay, because I think that that was was definitely was going on, you know, with me. And I don't know, obviously, this is, um, you know, a time of year when a lot of kids are feeling a lot of pressure to do well on tests. And so, you know, we don't know if that was a factor as well. But I I think that, um, you know, I think some kids obviously do consume coffee or energy drinks. But I think that
2: if you're drinking that much... our, our advice would be to try to avoid as much as possible that type of caffeine ingestion in that form... Because in that situation, you don't know. And and sometimes you don't know what underlying uh, underlying genetic or cardiac condition one may have. And so if you have uh, intake in that form, even uh, with that degree of stress, uh, it can have untoward consequences. And so it's always best to check uh, with your physician uh, and make sure... And and try to avoid those types of uh, um, ingestions um, it, to avoid the potential side effects.
0: And obviously, you know, uh, you know, this is a teenager. What about? Because um, I think I think you know. I sometimes I see kids that are nine or ten, you know eight or nine yeah. with a big thing a Mountain Dew, and I'm going, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Not <laughs> it, you know, the, not I mean, I, it, obviously, yeah. teenagers are you know. T- have a certain level of independence and they're going to, you know, pre-caffeinated right. beverages. But is there a cutoff or, or an age where you recommend for, for younger children no caffeine at all?
2: Yeah, I would say adolescence or, or uh, less. Um, that, that would probably uh, be un- not recommended for children. And uh, for adolescents, uh, and as one gets into their teenager, teenage years, they, they need to be made aware that caffeine is a drug and a stimulant, and in uh, it can have side effects, and they need to be aware, made aware of these symptoms that we've discussed. Right. Um, and
0: then also maybe yeah. saying, especially with these energy drinks that have higher levels and
2: aren't labeled, Absolutely. saying,
0: hey, this is like
2: not <laughs> not good for you. And to avoid, com- avoid completely, energy drinks, so, uh, uh, and uh, in all their different forms, uh, and they're they're advertised on a regular basis, just as you mentioned. And to be aware that these can be potentially hazardous and even life threatening in certain uh, in certain uh, p- potential circumstances.
0: All right. Well, Di- Dr. Jay and Gupta, thank you so much. This is great information, and I think you know a lot of kids are drinking these. Kids are combining them with a lot of other things, and. I think it's important to know, and I think certainly even younger kids are picking them up as well. So we certainly appreciate your visiting with us tonight.
2: Well, thank you for having me. It's okay. a pleasure to be with
0: you. All right. That is really interesting because I don't think it's something that people really think of a lot. And obviously it's something that we should think about. Well, we have much more ahead on this Saturday evening. We are going to visit with Professor Jane Curtley of the Scylla Center about uh, the coverage, and the different kinds of coverage we're seeing from conservative-leaning news media versus more liberal news media, versus mainstream news media. Is there such a thing as a mainstream news media? All of that's up for grabs here, folks. But certainly if you turn on Fox News at times in the past week or two, or even in this certainly election cycle going back to the presidential race, and you then turned on CNN, you'd see very different things <laughs> on the air. Uh, and it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, I do think that difference was muted a little bit towards the end of this week as, as the disclosures just kept kept barreling down uh, about uh, the President and uh, the firing of James Comey. I'd also be interested to hear what Professor Curtley thinks um, about the analogies that are already being drawn to Watergate. Some people, I think myself included think that the, that certainly the end point is we don't know, and maybe that's premature, but it's interesting certainly to speculate. Um, we also are going to have a very interesting discussion uh, in the 7 o'clock hour about a very important item that, that's a little nerdy, but it's net neutrality and who will control the Internet. The President's, uh, the president's administration, the FCC, has rolled back regulations uh, that have, were put in place by the Obama administration to basically keep the access to the Internet sort of free and equal, and this will – change things. So we'll visit with an expert about that. And then in our eight o'clock hour, Professor David Schultz, uh, about all that's going on at the state capitol, or maybe we should say all that's not going on at the state capitol, and certainly the latest uh, involving President Trump, who is in Saudi Arabia as part of a nine-day world tour, his first trip abroad since becoming president. So keep it here. Uh, We're going to take a break, give you some weather, and we'll be back with Professor Jane Curley.
2: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. It It is
0: 636 in the Twin Cities, uh, 48 degrees on a drizzly, kind of cool, not very May or spring-like feeling uh, day at all. Uh, Well, this half hour, we are going to talk about uh, the competing news media coverage of some really extraordinary events that are occurring uh, in connection with uh, the investigation into President Donald Trump's campaign, whether there was any collusion with Russia, the investigation into Russian interference, into the presidential election. And I found a fascinating article in The New York Times earlier this week talking about uh, the different narrative that is being put out by more conservative-leaning news organizations uh, and which is obviously different from those that are more sort of mainstream, as I said. Maybe there is no mainstream anymore, and those that are more left leaning. And the perfect person to talk about that, of course, is Professor Jane Curtley of the Scylla Center at the University of Minnesota. Professor Curtley, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Well, listen, um, and, and you know, it's funny. And I said this earlier when I was talking about this. I almost feel that that, that prism, uh, that, uh, the article I'm talking about, came out sort of in the middle of the week and i almost feel that there's been a shift even on fox news uh, last night watching um some very conservative figures reacting to the the yet other additional series of extraordinary stories uh saying that that trump had uh basically told the soviets uh in that now famous meeting a, a, in the oval office that he had uh fire James Comey because he was a nut job and to release the pressure and that, that it made him feel less pressure. And, you know, even, um, uh, as I said, you know, the reaction on Fox was definitely almost almost comparable to what I was seeing on CNN and other things as I flipped around. What are your thoughts? Because this is really an amazing time.
2: You know,
1: I it, it is very difficult to keep up with this story and these narratives because I was doing another show earlier today for a Canadian uh, radio station, and we were talking about um, the skepticism of many towards the, what they see as the unsourced or anonymously sourced stories that the New York Times, the Washington Post has been churning out over the last week or so. And how, you know, the diehard Trump supporters continue to say it's fake news. Um, they're turning, as you said, to alternative sources that are weaving an entirely different version of all of these events. Um, I I think myself although who can predict any of this that uh the tide is turning a bit simply because we're reaching the point where it's not just a series of anonymous statements we we're, we're getting closer and closer to documenting and, and I
0: must say you you have a legal background as well so I think I think right. you really are uniquely qualified here to Look at this from from that perspective well. As well. you know,
1: I, I, I do look at it from a lawyer's perspective. And, you know, part of me says, you know, all these are, these are all allegations at this point and, and nothing has been proven. And what will happen is what so often happens in investigations and in trials, which is that whoever is deciding it, whether it's a jury or a congressional panel or a special uh, prosecutor or special counsel, who's the most credible? Who are you going to believe? And, you know, you can weave a narrative that says, Well, you can't believe Comey because Trump fired him, and of course he's going to say nasty things about him. But you could also say you can believe Comey because he's a trained FBI agent, and they write things down in real time, and that's as reliable as these tapes that Trump claims he had, which – haven't seemed to have materialized. So, you know, ultimately, it's going to come down, I think, to who is the most credible. And I understand that for Mr. Trump's, uh, you know, supporters, they see him as very credible. But I think increasingly, the White House has been caught in one lie after another. And for me, the credibility is, is a central issue in all this.
0: Right. And, and obviously, all of that will come out. I, I the, the, and I was, it was Carl Rove actually that I was watching being interviewed last night on Fox News, saying that that he really found. Something Some of these revelations troubling, that this was a drip-drip situation and and that there seems to be sort of a story that was building momentum. One thing I I wanted to to ask you about, though, what to me is so remarkable is the speed at which this is developing. I mean I'm old enough to remember – Watergate. I was a kid, but th- th- that, that I was. Love, I did too. But but and but it
1: took months and months and months. Yeah, and, and
0: this is just every night we're sitting there, you know, in the newsroom at four o'clock, and then it's there's a special prosecutor or there's yet another story, and it's it's really a, and obviously these leaks are coming from within the White House. There's no other place for them to come from, but well, the speed is is yeah. breathtaking.
1: Is, is breathtaking, and I think you know one of again the alternative versions of this is that you know holdovers from the Obama administration, from the so-called deep state, are out to get Mr. Trump. I you know what can I what can any of us say until the sources are unmasked? But my own belief is they are coming from the White House. I don't see where else they could be coming from. So you know the one thing that that continues to nag at me, and it always does with these anonymously sourced stories, is Given the unusual nature of this administration, can we rule out the thought that there's some disinformation going on? I mean, and so I think the toughest thing... Fake
0: news. Going, that's, that's what the president you know, would say, fake news.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so you've got, if I'm a reporter covering story, the story, the hardest thing for me is going to be verifying uh, the stories I'm being told. You know, however, uh, you know, credible a particular source may be, the bottom line is you, you can't be 100 percent sure until you see the document. The smoking gun, whatever it might be, so it's a it's a risky time for journalists, and I think they have to be even more careful than they normally would be and obviously this is a story of huge magnitude um you know it could And it's not, be, it's, it's not going to go away. It is not going to go away. And <laughs> and you know the Trump administration has tried repeatedly in in the relatively short time that they've been in office to do a lot of diversionary tactics but I think this one is is ultimately not going to go away. I do see reader comments on newspaper websites where Trump supporters or maybe their Russian trolls keep saying this Is all a big nothing burger. There's nothing here. I'm sorry, when you start putting these pieces together, it looks very, very difficult to rule out the fact that there is. Serious Russian influence in this administration, and you know, I, I what what's completely boggles my mind is the fact that so many of the Trump supporters don't seem to be bothered by that. I mean, it, the idea is that even assuming that's true, they don't think it's a big deal, and and that's the part that I just find mind blowing, given right. the Republican Party's history in in their attitude toward Russia.
0: Right, and and it's it's you know uh, the last polls I showed or I looked at, and I I should look at them again, maybe there'll be new set that come out tomorrow, so that amongst Republicans, his support remains very, very high, you know, in in the the 70s or 80s. One thing that I think has has sort of... guarantees that this is going to be around for a very long time is the appointment of this special prosecutor, uh, Robert Mueller, who is the former head of the FBI, who was first appointed yeah. to the FBI by President George Bush. So, right. uh, um, and he was also the uh, president or the director of the FBI under President Obama for some time. But I, I think that that's something, because um, you and I can both remember, obviously, the Watergate special prosecutor, but also the special prosecutor for Iran-Contra, in the Reagan era and also in the Monica Lewinsky case for Bill Clinton, those, those, that dragged on forever. I mean, it took a long, long time.
1: It, it does. But, of course, you know, again, I think one of the differences today is that the way people's um, memos, statements and so forth are being recorded and transmitted are very different than even as recently as the Clinton um, impeachment. And, uh, you know, it's a lot easier to get that information out very quickly to do it in ways that are, are pretty unobtrusive. And so I think there's going to be a lot more evidence uh, coming forward much more quickly than might have been the case even 15 years ago. You know, it,
0: it's it, as I said, it is um, uh, we shall see. But it, it does. Um, it certainly is interesting. And certainly, uh, you know, another dynamic to it as well is the extraordinary use of Twitter by the president continues, yes. uh, although yes. it's been muted. I know. And apparently people are telling him to just like his supporters are saying. We, we need less drama. Yeah. But, I mean,
1: I, you know, for, for him, it's obviously, one, a, a major way to communicate with his base. And two, I think it's a, his way of letting off steam. But, you know, as a lawyer, if I were representing Mr. Trump, I would take it away from him because this is just incredibly incriminating, uh, potentially, in terms of just his, his – Rhetoric, his comments about people, the way he frames issues. and I'm sorry, calling it a witch hunt with a, you know six exclamation marks after it does not make it a witch hunt. And he would be, in my opinion, much wiser to just stop it for a while
0: right. Well, listen, we have to take a quick break. Um, Professor Curtley, if you could stay on, I would like to ask you about the extraordinary developments at Fox News, uh, the death of Roger Ailes and the obviously bill o'reilly having to resign amidst a, a sex abuse or sex har- sexual harassment scandal um, this is fox news really has shaped a lot of the dynamic here i think in the last 15 20 years and certainly is a factor in the fact that uh, president trump won the presidency so i want to get your take on that so keep it here you're listening to news radio 830 wcco It's Esme Murphy on a Saturday night, 649 in the Twin Cities, 48 degrees, uh, chatting with Professor Jane Kirtley of the Scylla Center at the University of Minnesota, uh, that great journalism center there. Uh, We've been talking about the extraordinary coverage of, of these extraordinary events involving the president. But I did want to ask you your thoughts about Fox News and their current situation, the impact Fox News has had And the impact that that somebody we lost this week, the, the former president of Fox News, Roger Ailes.
1: You know, um, not like we can wrap this up in, you know, a five seconds. No, second sound <laughs> but it is. But because it, the impact was extraordinary. I mean, Roger Iles was somebody who realized the necessity of packaging, uh, political candidates and packaging the news. He was someone who, uh, was able to convince, uh, people that they had a right to be aggrieved because the mainstream media, according to him, was leaning left and not giving, uh, conservative views a fair shake, um, master showman in that sense. And to me, uh, Trump is just the, you know, he's, he's the apotheosis of that. He is uh, the embodiment of what Fox was all about, um, catering to uh, a certain segment of the population who feels that their views were denigrated and they were left behind, and exploiting that in a way. Um, you know, I, I the idea of exploiting a medium to make money, there's nothing new or novel about that. But to me, what I see so problematic is that I, I think it was, for me, fundamentally dishonest. There were some journalists, and, and I would include uh, Mr. Wallace at, at, at Fox, who I, I have respect for, but I think as an institution, um, it was very uh, driven by ideology, even though it always said it was being fair and balanced, and and that was all him. You know, there's no question that that was his. Ro- brain
0: Roger back. Ailes, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, Murdoch, of course, was behind it all. And I remember years ago, a columnist at the London Times told me that, that, you know, Rupert Murdoch doesn't care anything about the First Amendment. All he cares about is domination and money. And I think that to a great extent that was true. I I, I suppose if I believed that these were genuinely held feelings, I I would at least be somewhat resigned to it. But for me, it was it was a very cynical uh, development of what they saw as a niche and very, uh, very unfortunate, I think, for for our democratic society. Society. I'm not excusing any of the failings among other news organizations because they are many. But the the difference, I think, is that they were ready to correct those mistakes. And, you know, Fox really just enjoyed um, exploiting gullible people. And, I mean, I, I hate to say all this. I hate to speak ill of a, a dead person. But honestly, um, to me, this was a, a morally bankrupt operation. And, you know, whether that's going to change now uh, with, you know, he's, he was out anyway. Of course, before he died, but there have been other
0: firings. Well, it was Gretchen Carlson, who's obviously from Minnesota, brought that multi-million dollar lawsuit, and and suddenly saying that that she had been the victim of uh, sexual harassment. And lo and behold, there were others that came forward, and she was able to to win that case. And, And it almost was like sort of the dam breaking.
1: Well, and it, and, it, and it's so, you know, reflective, I think, of the mindset there. And I mean, I, I hate to fall back on cliches, but, you know, the idea of making America great again, taking us back to the 1950s. It was also a time when women were exploited, where my minorities were kept in their place. To me, this was not a golden era of, of American history. And yet it was something that Fox uh, very cynically tried to, to exploit. So. One of my questions is, as the younger Murdoch sons, you know, are coming of age and reshaping things, is there going to be a reset at, at, at Fox? And and I will be surprised if there's not one. I mean, the thing you were talking about a little earlier about their different tone in just the last 24 hours, I'm, I'm not saying that that means things have changed, Well, that, I just was but,
0: saying that that was, you know, Carl Rove, who obviously, you know, is, is the architect of the George W. Bush presidency, certainly, you know— um, a pro- one of the most prominent conservative figures in this entire country and, and he's basically saying hey listen you know th- this this situation with Donald Trump and Russia and these stories the the pr- the president's got a problem here um so he was not saying you know and when you get people like Carl Rove saying that uh that's significant and and I think you know ultimately the demise of Richard Nixon came about well' it's because he was because of the cover-up and because of the tapes he had but but when he lost, started losing traction, when you start losing the center own, of, of the Republican own. Party, you're going to be oh, in trouble. Right. And, and that's – there's a little I mean, bit of that happening. It hasn't happened yet, but there's a little bit of that and the president is going to be in, in big trouble if, if that you know hemorrhaging continues.
1: He is, but you know i I do worry about the reaction of of his his remaining supporters. I mean you know the words like coup cool are being thrown around and i'm I'm very concerned about how. How this ends, I mean you know we, we remember what happened when Nixon resigned that That was unfortunate you know from some perspectives, but ultimately Gerald Ford you know he pulled things together and and we kind of recovered from it i don 't know who 's going to do that if if ultimately the Trump presidency crumbles so i I am not feeling real optimistic at the moment about how that 's all going to play out. Right.
0: So Fox News, unclear in your mind whether they are going to alter a little bit or perhaps soften their tone. Um, You know, I, I I think, you know, a lot of people, they have an awful lot of people who really love watching that
1: they do but that is an aging demographic and i think that uh murdoch's son, young you know sons see this is not this is not going to be profitable in the long term and i just keep going back to that this is all about money and if they decide that a shift in focus is going to be more profitable i think that's what we're going to see there
0: all right well listen jane curtley of the silica center thank you so much um it is it is a pretty amazing period of time uh, in in this in our American history.
1: We we are living in in interesting times, as they say. Thank you so much, Ed. Okay,
0: take care. All right, Bye-bye. she is a, a very knowledgeable individual. Obviously, strong views on Fox News, and yes, you know, I I think that you could say that there would not have been a Donald Trump without Fox News. That's I think that's plausible. But I I will say, you know, I always go back when people talk about Donald Trump's supporters. I go back to that rally he held. Two days before the election, and it was here in the Twin Cities. It got very little notice uh, in terms of you know advance notice. I think they put it together in you know twenty four hours It was like on Facebook, and he had thousands and thousands of people there. Uh, people were actually leaving their cars on highway seventy seven to jump over fences <laughs> to see Donald Trump speak at the mini at the Twin Cities International Airport. I didn't think he was going to win, but I remember just looking at that, and this was the Sunday before the election, and saying, this is something. I mean, this is a phenomenon here, and and the passion that his supporters have is something that I think is something that really needs to, to be looked at and, and recognized. And to what degree those supporters, if this unravels, will they stay with him? Uh, I imagine some probably will, some probably won't, but it is—it's um, going to be interesting to say the least. All right, folks, uh, you are listening to News Radio eight three zero WCCO. We've got much more ahead on uh, this Saturday night show. Uh, in our eight o'clock hour, we are going to talk with, uh, of course, Professor David Schultz on many of these same topics. We also are going to talk about what's going on at the legislature. Monday's the deadline, folks. I feel like we, we come into this like every year this happens and there's a crisis. The problem is this year it's really urgent because this is one of the, the budget years and they've got to get something done. If they don't reach an agreement Monday at midnight, then they are going to have to – maybe the governor can call a special session. If they don't have an agreement by July 1st, the state government will shut down, and it wasn't good the last time that happened. So keep it here. You're listening to News Radio eight three zero WCCO.
1: His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt, Hi-ya! and even after
0: band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the three percent annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams—thanks for everything, mom and dad—will always be worth it.